0: hey guys thank you so much for checking out the podcast hey this uh episode i recorded with christian gideon i did over the phone i'm still getting some of the kinks figured out and so the audio didn't sound as good as i want it to so i want to apologize to christian because what he said is brilliant you're gonna have to give me a little grace while i get my setup figured out but uh anyways here is my interview with christian gideon hey welcome to the podcast uh justin here today i'm joined by christian gideon this is a dude who uh, i started following, I don't know, probably five or six years ago on social media. And when I was looking around in the Midwest for people that were actually doing sweet stuff, his stuff popped up. Uh, he's down in Springfield, Illinois, I believe. And I've Missouri. tried- Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, Springfield, Missouri, yeah. I tried to go down there once or twice, uh, drove through once and we weren't able to connect. Um, but we've connected over the phone a handful of times and uh, dude, this guy, was the real deal before I was. <laughs> and then I've kind of watched his career transition and so I'm really excited to talk to him. So hey Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing
1: well, good segue. Uh, Springfield is the most common city name in all the states in <laughs> the
0: United States of America.
1: I, I've always heard that's why The Simpsons chose it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're forgiven for not knowing the state.
0: Um, so what I'm doing here on this interview p- part is I want to get a little bit of like the inspirational feel good story of like how did you get started in photography?
1: Yeah. so I was, this has been probably like 10 years ago, uh, I was working in retail, retail training for a large corporation. I won't mention. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of when, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff was getting started and I just needed an outlet. Uh, I'd played sports my whole life and that was kind of my identity. Um, so picked up a camera, started shooting friends, family, whatever I, you know, was drawn to and started posting it to social media and it it took off from there. I know that sounds really simple, but it took off from there. And I was, was lucky from the very beginning to get some clients that saw something there and then just, just build from there.
0: Excellent. And then, so you've been going about 10 years, you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. About a decade
0: now. And then in that, I mean, what did you, you did? Weddings, you did portraits. You, I mean, what what did you start with? And then, what does that look like now for you?
1: Yeah, so I got into the game shooting weddings. Um, at that time, it was there was this like wild world of people were starting to see what wedding photography could be. Yeah. Um, and if you had a little bit different vision and a little bit um, of drive, you could really get into that. So it made you know for me you know, I love people. So weddings made a lot of sense, but also that was the quickest way for me to get out of my retail job, (laughs) you know? Um, so it was kind of a, you know, a twofold thing there. And, um, yeah, jumped right into weddings and, you know, started shooting some commercial work on the side, but for the first four or five years, it was, it was mainly portraits and weddings.
0: Yeah. So what a few things about your stuff that always stood out to me. One is that like you're a super attractive dude. So I always felt like the reason why your stuff looks cool is that like, I think it always seemed like people just wanted to be around you. Like you you look cool, you bring that to the thing, especially in the wedding world where 10 years ago it was so cheesy. And yeah, even in sure. the last few years, it's like there's pockets of it that's really cool, but just it just attracts a lot of cheesiness. And so my guess is that that It seemed like your portrait work really informed your weddings and vice versa. And everything that I ever saw you do was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. He's not doing um, church basement weddings, but he's doing these like, he just makes it look so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that was, I had no idea what I was supposed to do in the beginning. (laughs) Um, So intuition has always been like a common theme in anything that I shoot. Yeah. Also, you know, like being I grew up in the Midwest and my family didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I hadn't seen a lot of the United States. And very quickly, I was like lucky to, you know, to be shooting in New York, to be shooting in Colorado, California, Mexico. And I'm a very curious person at heart. So I think of going into these spaces. It was like a new world for me. I felt like a kid again. Because um, I'd never been to a lot of these spaces, I was traveling extensively for the first time in my adult life. So every wedding I would walk into would just be like a whole new world of people and accents, and I'd been fairly sheltered up until that point. Yeah. And I think that came through a lot in my work because there was a uh, totally wasn't jaded, jaded, you know, and bored and yeah. And all that if, stuff.
0: if you have that humility when you shoot, I've always felt like that on social media. Like one of the best things that I can do. Or one of the most awe-putting things about like influencers is they're like, hey, I'm in Maui again, you know, where to me, I think one of the most winsome ways to play social media is like, holy crap, guys. I have the privilege of being in Maui like that wonder and awe shows in work like your attitude about the places you interact with is so evident in your work when you actually step back and think about it.
1: It is, and I don't, and I don't think looking back that that's necessarily tied to weddings or anything. I think that's just a, an innate, um, yeah, you know, personality trait that some people have. Because I still, I still find that today, and that still drives my work. That just curiosity, yeah, um, is you know, just drives everything I do. And I don't know, uh, you know, with with social media and the age of clout, I see so many people getting into, you know, visual fields for likes or followers and stuff like that, and I think the people that are going to make it um, who are doing real work are the people that are just they're just curious at heart.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then now, what's your what's the like your makeup of your business? What is it mainly commercial? Or are you still doing weddings?
1: So, 2019 is a monster shift for me. Uh, I was a little burnt out with weddings and just felt like I had done my thing there to a point where yep. I wasn't able to keep pushing the envelope forward. And you know, over the past three or four years, I've been do- shooting a lot of commercial work and soccer sport-based work. And I decided at the end of 2000, uh, 2018 to go full steam ahead in that um, in that vision. So cool. So this year, I, or this winter, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I've been working on it and literally going to launch it later this week, uh, a creative agency that handles
0: what? mainly
1: sports specific storytelling and and things of that nature. I can't say too much yet. So yeah, this year is <laughs> totally different for me. It's almost all commercial work. So still doing the freelance stuff and then starting a creative agency. That's kind of like, it's my baby, you know, dude, so, huge
0: congrats. That's incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: I love that. Um, okay. Well, that's a good next question I have for you. I think it makes a lot of sense with that and we've touched on it a little bit, but, um, what, what would you say then kind of like is your signature style or what's like the angle on your agency or, um, yeah, what, if, if, do you have like a, this is the Christian Gideon look or this is the approach. Um, and I, I hate that from the cheesy like style or you know, like what's your preset. But I do think mentality, you know, like when I look at myself, it's like, dude, I like beauty. So everything I'm gonna shoot is I want to be beautiful I want it to be vibrant I'm not sentimental so it's not I don't want it to be really washed out or I don't gravitate towards black and white so some of those things I'm like what are some of your guiding Christian Gideon things because I because your soccer stuff looks like your portrait stuff which looks like your wedding stuff I mean I I kind of know what my answer is for you on this but what's your answer
1: so uh, I'm going to reverse engineer that a little bit. Great. I think in the, in the industry, we always, um, as, as visual artists, we look at creating a style and we think that style is um, a combination of presets, cameras, lenses, um, you know, type of light we shoot in. And, and to some extent it is. But for me, it's always been about, about mood and starting with mood and then taking those things and and building off that and so like for the creative agency i'm starting you know i know right then and there i i'm never going to be able to compete with you know sports illustrated and their cadre of photographers and filmmakers (laughs) or netflix that's starting to do a lot of sports stuff um you know in some of those huge production companies so what i'm always looking for is where are the uncovering the stories that nobody wants to tell shooting the place in the places that nobody wants to shoot, being out, being in, you know, in situations that are, that need to be uncovered and need to be told. And I think that does so much for creating a mood. And, and then I take it back from there. You know, I love, I love nice, soft, interesting light, but for me, it's never really been about like gear and presets. I, I know that that's not what people want to hear because, you know, inevitably I get 10 DMs a week about what I shot, what lens something was shot with or what, um, mm-hmm. you know, preset was used, you know. But, but I, I think a lot of it, and moving forward with the creative agency and more on the, on the, in the video filmmaking side is just is being able to really tell a story. And that mm-hmm. begins with light and it begins with, you know, the people in front of me and the camera presets and all that stuff is like, the final and usually most insignificant part.
0: Completely, completely. Dude, that's, I mean, it's like, that's the thing I feel like we gotta shout from the rooftops is that like, you're not your preset, you're not your gear. But again, I mean, that's why like the iPhone so important in some sense, because it's like, you can tell better story. <laughs> good Good storytellers tell a better story with an iPhone than self-important people shooting on <laughs> 5d mark fours you know with a 35 14 or something like that it just absolutely absolutely it, it doesn't uh that gears you need the right gear for the job Um but we need more photographers that have a passion to tell something rather than photographers that are uh, pretty consumed with their 85 or whatever
1: yeah and i think that's the quickest way to tell who is part of that like clout chasing you know industry and they care about what everybody thinks about their work or people that are doing it for the right reasons yeah uh you know whether you're trying to people think that that they develop a formula as in if i use this person's camera the same camera same (laughs) lens if i use this preset if i shoot in this location you know and the thing that you can never you can never know what somebody's intuition is you can never know somebody's mind and that's, that's the thing you can't sell so in a yeah. capitalistic society you know nobody very few people can sell that and so I always I always hold you know those beautiful things that, that come out of my head sometimes and that the people I work with and my partners we hold those very close to the vest. because in today's society that's the one thing you can't that's one
0: thing you got Someone
1: else can't monetize
0: yeah. you know I in defense of young photographers I will say that like when i start playing guitar i learn other people's songs you know and like when i found out that tom york or the radiohead they used the rat distortion pedal on ok computer for something i went and got the rat i still was terrible <laughs> not as good at them but i think the initial steps in any art form is imitating people that are that we like um you just hope that you don't have to stay in that spot forever
1: um, I, yeah i agree but i think i think what happens is in this you know the way our our visual world is made up today is people go they go plug in those things and they haven't lived life yet Um, they haven't had their heart broken they haven't you know woken up in a foreign city where you don't speak the language and you have that intimidation they haven't um, you know wondered where their next meal was coming from they haven't they haven't lived a lot of a lot of hardships
0: yeah. And
1: even if you're like going back to the Tom, Tom York thing, like you could do all these you could do all these things to get as close to him as possible. But you don't know what his first breakup was like. You don't know what his first love was like. You don't know what inspires him. So people that's why I don't like how much hero worship and influencer culture has like come into our society is because mm-hmm. people think you can just reverse engineer and build that same a clone from the ground up. And it's just, it's not possible, you know, no matter any great artist is going to have lived a life and going to live like these highs and ultimate and like lowest of lows that you'll never experience. And if we put those into our art, then like nobody can touch you, you know, but again, that's something you can't sell. So (laughs) I definitely recommend like having the nicest gear possible and put yourself in this position to succeed. Sorry. But what I see is a lot of young artists that want to make this masterpiece, and they haven't lived a life that is giving them the vision to make the <laughs> yeah, masterpiece. Yeah, that has informed yet, that. At you all. know, yeah, but, that's a great thought,
0: man. Yeah. Um, have you had somewhere along the line, like, have you had a, a lucky break? I mean, because you, dude, you you were crushing the Instagram game on the first wave, right?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. I so, think so, I mean, the whole suggested user thing happened a couple times, which is kind of annoying these days now. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was an early adopter
0: for sure. So, what the, I mean, the, it's really interesting to kind of follow your sh- social media trajectory because um, I don't know that you're, yeah, I don't think that, you know, somebody like you was guilty of getting us where we are. But like, I feel like how you play the game now is different than how you played the game.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, Getting back to that lucky break, I'll tell you a quick story. It's been about, I think, five years ago now. I have really wanted to get into covering some soccer from a you know unique perspective, and I had emailed Sporting Kansas City, my local team, and was like, "Hey, here's my portfolio. I've never shot a game, but I have a vision. If you could just get me a pass for the game, and like, I would love to come up and." And shoot it. And so they were like, yeah, you know, you've got good work. Come on up. And I, you know, I really went into it with a plan to bring like, you know, documentary meets editorial work, you know, to the game <laughs> and really put a lot into it. No money or anything like that. So anyways, I shot it, felt really good about the images, put them on my blog. And then as a thing you know, sent them over to the, the media people at sporting, like, hey, thank you. Here's the images. Feel free to use them. And then on Twitter, I had posted a link to that blog. Well, the head of media at the time for Sporting ret- retweeted me, so instantly um was kind of out into the soccer world, yeah. you know. And then the head of uh, digital, or I don't know for sure what it was at that time, of Major League Soccer retweeted that. So, like, super quickly, all these images—the first time I'd ever shot—were in front of a lot of soccer people on
0: Twitter. Right. And that's, I mean there's more soccer people than we think
1: oh dude it's a it's a monster and for, they're deeper uh, so. and they're,
0: you know i mean it's
1: yeah, soccer people yeah. are
0: all soccer people yeah
1: yes so i got I called like two days later this guy in new york he works at an advertising agency he's like you know who are you how long have you been shooting soccer i've been looking for this like i've been looking for what you just did what's your story and i was like blown away like what you know like what and so The first, this was the first year in MLS, they had two teams in New York and they were playing in like two weeks for the first time. And so it was a big event and his agency handled the Heineken soccer account. And he's like, we want you to, we want to fly you out to New York, pay you, pick you up at the airport, blah, blah, blah. And I want you to do exactly what you just did (laughs) for us, for Heineken soccer. And yeah, and that's it. And I'm like, you know, are you okay, sure. You know, so (laughs) I, just, I didn't know this guy from Adam. I didn't know if he was like, uh, you know, like what was going on. So I fly into New York and send like a black car to pick me up, you know, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Anyways, um, went and did my thing there, and I developed a, re- a relationship with this guy named Sean Francis, who is one of the kindest, most interesting people I've ever met in my life. And through working together that first time, um, we've been working on soccer projects, for his agency all over the U.S. We just went to Jamaica for a week um, and he would become a mentor of sorts, a, like one of my good friends. Um, yeah. So he, he, that was definitely my break into um, a lot of the sports work. And then I there's no way I would have been able to have the vision or talent or skills to start this agency without his guidance and, and recognizing me and you know, in his mentorship and friendship. Wow. So it, like, that was definitely one of, uh, if not my biggest lucky
0: break, you know, dude, that's amazing. I, yeah, I love it. There's this, uh, there was this worship leader in Kansas city at this like super Pentecostal church. And he had this quote that said, we practiced our instruments so that when the spirit leads, there's less resistance. And I feel like that all the time where, like, as a photographer, we're, like, always practicing getting, getting better so that, like, when the opportunity comes, we're not, you know, in your case, like, on the field and then, like, oh, uh, how, how do I change the ISO <laughs> or something stupid? But, like, it's no, so absolutely. second nature. So, you're actually prepared. Um, and you took a risk. You put yourself out there. And then, all of a sudden, like, I... What I've seen of your soccer stuff is different than the way everybody else has done it. You brought, like, beautiful, and I hate to use this, this just can have a derogative context, but this, like, hipstery vibe, like you said, mood, to soccer in a way that it hasn't been, but it works so well with these dudes and these images. I mean, it's it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's going to keep going even more with the video work. Um, and there's, you know, there's there's a very tight knit community of people making soccer visuals in the States here. And honestly, it's, it's been kind of wild over the past few years. You know, the, the four or five, six, seven people that are really making the um, like the most amazing work there, we've all like become friends because of overlap. And it's, it's, it's a really neat community. Um, one thing I wanted to hit on real quick, rewind yeah. for just a second. You were talking about the, you know, you hone your skills. So when you get your chance, you know, like you can shine. And I was, long story short i was filming a mini documentary um on a mexican american soccer player last year it was my first big project like that it ended up getting like two million views on social media like it was really great i directed and co-shot it well i had met a this guy my friend he's become a great friend his name's tyler and we met before a soccer game through social media he had never worked in creative uh at all like <laughs> you know, in any, in any way, shape, or form. Well, I started to get to know him, and he's a huge soccer nerd. The guy, like, lives and breathes soccer, is in, so intelligent about tactics, history, the sociological aspects, all of it. He is bilingual and working on Portuguese <laughs> and just had all these, like, interesting, crazy skills. So we had talked in a bar in D.C. about, like, this, this Mexican-American soccer player named Jonathan Gonzalez and wanting to tell his story. Well, through a weird connection with Sean, who I mentioned earlier, I had an in with his with his people. So we pitched them. You know, we want to tell we want to do this this documentary, and I, you know, we brought Tyler in the whole time. And right before we were leaving to go film like the Mexican national team and all this big stuff, Tyler called me and he's like, "Dude, I don't know if I can do this." He's kind of having that like freak out <laughs> moment. You know, like I've never worked in creative, and you're asking me to produce and. <laughs> interview and like speak you know all these different things for this documentary that's going to go live on like on the internet and going to be a big deal and I I told him that I was like dude you you know yeah you've never worked in creative but you know this kid's story you're the one that told me about it you are fluent in English and Spanish you know which we have to have in this documentary you're personable you you're you're all these things that like agencies or would would kill to have you know would yeah. kill to have and it has nothing to do with like did you go to art school like <laughs> did you you know what i'm saying like have you worked in an agency i was like i have like i need you you are the <laughs> integral other half of this and we went and did it and dude it. it just ended up being like the most amazing project life-changing and I don't don't need to get into all that, but it's exactly what you said is, you know, this guy didn't know how to touch a camera. He didn't know how, you know, how you're supposed to do things. He doesn't know like, was his label supposed to be producer or this or that, but like, he just did it. And there's just, you can't, you can't like put a price on that drive and, envision and, and it has so little to do with labels and so much to just do with who you are and I was like dude you know like you spent your whole life acquiring these skills and these interests and maybe this is what like why yeah. you know because you're you know you're supposed to work on this so uh him and I are actually like starting the agency which is crazy because two, <laughs> three, like two years ago when I met him he had you know no work no no interest in or like no background in creative at all so that's amazing. Yeah, perfect example of that.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So in the last few years, you've been starting to get in front of people, you know, that, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, you never would have imagined, but has there been like right. one shoot or one thing that you've done that you were like super intimidated by the people you got to shoot or like, what's the the craziest job you've gotten hired for or something like that?
1: You know, I've, I've had several of those like freak out moments, <laughs> you know, um, and you know i'm I'm pretty good about keeping calm and, and focusing on the work, but about it's been about three years ago now um, i was was hired to shoot the major League soccer all- star game, and they were playing Arsenal at the time. Arsenal was coming over here for like preseason, and a lot of times Major League Soccer will have their all stars play like a team from England or Spain, yeah. and I'm an Arsenal supporter, so like it was like a dream come true to be like, oh man i <laughs> I have to you know." I get, yeah. to, I get to shoot this, get to shoot my favorite team. Well, I had taken my oldest son, Mason, with me at the time, who was 16. And he was kind of like, you know, you can go with me. I'll have to work on the field, but I'll get you a ticket to the game. And he was like more than happy, you know, more than thrilled. Like, absolutely. So the morning of the game, my friend Sean, who we were working on the project together, was like, I'm going to go get our press passes and I'll be back in a little bit and then we'll head over to the stadium. So he comes back in like 20 minutes and he literally has like, just his arms are full of lanyards and passes. I'm like, what is, what is all that? And he's like, well, I I knew somebody and uh, I had Mason, uh, you know, like a VIP tent uh, past the all-star game and also a field pass to shoot the game with you. And I'm like, Mason, just like his, his jaw drops, you know, because he had, he had, you know, he knows his way around a camera and, has worked with me on some smaller projects and things like that, but nothing like this. And then to make a long story short, we're down on the field before the game and players are coming out of the tunnel and we're right there at the end. And I just, oh, it, I kind of turned and looked at him and he just, he had this like star struck, like I'm, getting, I'm like two feet away from some of my like, favorite players and getting to shoot this with my dad, you know? Oh, my so gosh. for me, it wasn't a, it wasn't a freak out moment necessarily on my end. It was seeing it in somebody else, like very close to me. And it made me like super appreciative of the opportunities I've had, you
0: know? And. Dude. Yeah. And so. the, here's the thing the. Again, worldwide, a soccer player is so much bigger than a football player. <laughs> you know, oh, like as- the idea absolutely. that, like. This isn't, this isn't like. um... I don't know. This isn't like I've, I've been in an airport and seen Jose Canseco. It's like, that's not that this is, <laughs> this is every single one of them. Yeah. And then I, I, I mean, my daughter's six, so I'm, I'm not fully there yet. Like she doesn't understand what I love to the same extent, but man, that I get a little bit of that, like how huge that would be to, to see that in your son um, and be able to kind of put him in that place. That's incredible
1: yeah it was, it was pretty wild. I had one more I'll make I'll make quick. It was no, It was good. last fall I was um I was hired by Puma to go shoot uh, the biggest like the biggest game in France between Marseille and PSG, mm-hmm. and it was in Marseille, and Marseille is known as being like their fans are maybe the craziest and har- most hardcore in the world. And I had a friend that had gone to me, and she had never been to a soccer game ever, but like she kind of knew what she was getting into. And tickets to the game were going for like eight, eight, nine hundred bucks a pop. So I'm like, you know, I, like just go watch it at the pub near the stadium, and I'll catch you after the game. I'm sorry, but so long story short, right before like we're heading over to the stadium, uh, the Puma rep slips me like an envelope, like here's your tickets, and I'm like, oh, I don't really need one. She's like, well, it's all you can eat, and it's ticket, all you can eat, all you can drink, and I'm like, uh, okay, cool. So I was like, <laughs> I go back up to the hotel room, and told my friend Brenna, like. Don't count on it but i may have your ticket <laughs> anyways um it was just pandemonium you know lighting flares in the streets fans going insane you had you had killian mbappe and neymar playing you know some of the biggest names like in the world and i kind of had another one of those moments through somebody else's eyes i i got into the you know through the media credentials thing slipped through my tickets and i'm down on the field before the game and I like look up, you know, and she's like 20 rows up in my seats. Like first soccer game ever, arguably like one of the best rivalries in the world. And I'm just like, holy shit, I'm in France. yeah, You know, shooting okay. these players, but then this person. So I don't know, sometimes seeing crazy stuff through someone else's eyes tends to hit me harder than my own, Yeah, if that makes sense. And I just was sitting there thinking like, I can't even imagine like, what is going through her head, you know? Because, yeah. like, the stands, like, the hardcore supporters are, like, shooting flares across the field, throwing <laughs> bottles at Neymar. Like, it's just pandemonium. And I was just sitting there like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to ever top this And bringing someone to their first game. Like, it would have to be, like, a World Cup final or something. But Yeah. Holy yeah, God. so a lot of times it's about, like, it's about the people on the periphery, the people that are, like, close to me, how they view an opportunity, you know? Because when I'm in it, I'm just working. You
0: know? Yeah. Oh, man, that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- so the, the coolest part about, like, it's really funny to watch your career because even a really beautiful, intimate wedding or even the craziest wedding dance party probably doesn't compare to 50,000 fans <laughs> in a soccer stadium, you know, and these footballers that are getting paid more than you right, know, right. we'll ever see in our life. Uh, for just playing that game or something like that. So, like, the scope of your work just absolutely blew up, which is really
1: cool. Yeah, and that's, you know, I still I still shoot a few weddings here and there. You know, they're, like, a good way to, to pay the bills. And I, I always try to stay so present, even in those smaller things, yeah. um, even in those smaller moments. You know, as I'm launching this agency, you know, like, funds are an issue because i basically am saying i'm quitting everything that has made me money for 10 years and starting this vision all over so you know i'm still taking work on the periphery and yeah. and trying to be as into that and as focused when i'm there and treat it as such but on the other side you are right that is that's the whole reason I'm starting this agency is i built a skill set and built a connection base and and have a vision and it's like okay i need to this is bigger than me now yeah. so i've brought in a few of these people that are very close to me in this world to start this thing and so it's it's been a it's been a quicker transition than i would suggest <laughs> but I, I would if i you know if there's anybody listening that's you know starting off as a photographer it's that would be like perfect advice treat every assignment like it's the biggest one you'll ever have and you'll yeah. create better work and and make strong connections you know that sounds kind of corny but it's it's true, like if you only focus on the big ones, like you're gonna alienate people and, you know, you're only as good as the weakest work in your portfolio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if you if you don't make amazing images, you know, sometimes that's more important than like the amazing, like the really amazing portfolio stuff is, you know? Yeah. What well, How good are you on your worst day, I guess, you know?
0: So. Um. Do you feel like there's any specific gear or any like tools that you'd be like, I couldn't do my job without this. It's kinda like a what's your current gear setup or products that you love, but I I guess I'm trying to see like I we've already addressed it. It's like I don't I don't want somebody to listen to this podcast and walk away and all they got was a Christian Gideon shoots (laughs) Right (laughs) Sony. But but is there anything that you're like, man, this is the tool that has allowed me to see it this way or
1: Yeah. So two things there. One is one is straight gear and then one is more like conceptual. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a obsessed with shooting film and I don't shoot film to be one of those people that says they shoot film. But over the past three years when I'm not shooting a professional assignment, I've been shooting a ton of film because it makes me focus on image making. And it really makes me go through the slow process of details and exposure Great. And a lot of those things and uh, having a film camera in my hands doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense.
0: Okay.
1: And being able to keep that passion alive to just document and just create outside of paid assignments has been amazing for me. Like okay. it keeps me fresh. It keeps me open. It keeps me, you know, it keeps my skills super sharp. And sometimes that's been like a point and shoot camera. Sometimes it's been like a contacts, you know, like G2, like really super high end film camera. Yeah. Uh, but I very, very rarely will ever take a personal image with an, a digital SLR. Yeah. I just don't, it feels, that feels like work to me. And so, yeah, I highly recommend, you know, even if it's, um, you know, like disposable point and shoots, like figure out tools you know, if anybody's listening, like, figure out tools that make you excited to create and that challenge you. And for me, sometimes digital cameras don't feel that way. That you know what I'm saying?
0: Totally. Um, I just sold my the, G2. Dang it!
1: <laughs> oh, I did. I I love that camera. I sold mine too, just because I couldn't justify. Honestly, I'm too hard on gear, and that thing looks like. The Porsche and I'm like, I this is gonna be broken, and you know, so. Um, but on the other, the other thing there, this is more conceptual. But and I've learned this in starting the agency. Like, I'm an ideas person. You know, I'm serving as creative director in this in this journey. I have ideas for days, but what I've learned is the other people in this agency, bouncing these ideas off them, they get they go from good to great, like really quickly, and. I think that we spend so much time in our own heads as visual creators that we underestimate the value of feedback. And if you look at um, the way our society is set up, everything is it just it gears you to be even more in your own head. I'm going to take an image, I'm going to post it to social and then judge myself off the likes. Well, I totally like, do not care what anybody on social media thinks but these few close friends who I've been working with creatively amplify my ideas and vision, like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. And so like, if we're, you know, I, as much as we talk about gear, I want to talk about like the other things you can do to, you know, to, to, uh, to push your vision forward. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, shooting film and keeping it fresh there and just not having any expectations, but also like on that other side, like, it's not obviously not gear based, but just having people around you who you trust their vision you trust their feedback, like has been those two things keep me fresh, curious and, and keep my drive just through the roof, you know?
0: Dude, that's excellent. Um, so we're going to, we're going to end this interview podcast and then in just a moment, we're going to start our second one. So check out part two, um, part two. I want to, dive in on kind of finding your niche. I'm gonna say niche, mm-hmm. because when I people say niche, I wanna punch I them. usually
1: say niche, but I've also struggled with how to pronounce this word. So I, let me know if you ever- I think niche
0: sounds so pretentious, but it does sound correct. So I'm gonna say- I use niche in meetings, and <laughs> yeah, I use niche exactly. when I'm having coffee. Exactly. <laughs> right? So finding your niche, and then I, I think that you're somebody that, um, from what I have heard, has really fought to uh, do the self work um, and understand social media and kind of the poison in it. So I want to address social media with you as well. So uh, if you're listening, check out part two.